Hello and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. I'm here to guide you through another tragic performance from our last live event at the Hackney Attic at the end of May. At Stand Up Tragedy, we want to make you think, we want to make you cry and we want to make you laugh. Sharing tragedy is a social experience and it can be good for you, it can be good for others. And we want you to help us spread it even further. Fund our journey up to the Edinburgh Free Fringe. Sharing tragedy is a social experience and it can be good for you, it can be good for others. For the last month, we've been running an Indiegogo campaign to try and raise the funds to help get us there. From the 3rd to the 14th of August, we'll be downstairs at the Fiddler's Elbow, bringing together the very best tragic performers from across the fringe. Not only that, throughout the month of August, you'll be able to hear a tragic performance every day because we're going to be releasing podcasts daily through the entire Edinburgh Festival. If you're interested and love to listen, please donate using the link on our website, www.standuptragedy.co.uk. There's something in it for you too. We've arranged some tragic gifts as an incentive for your donations. So give what you can. In exchange, you'll receive things like a vial of tears, some exclusive art from our stand-up tragedy artists, whiskey from Edinburgh, or even a meal cooked for you by our very own stand-up tragedy chef. There's those gifts, there's more. Check it out on our Indiegogo page. Now, on to this week's performer. At the Hackney Attic, spoken word performer Richard Tyrone Jones told some tragic, true stories in the form of poems. Touching on being diagnosed with heart disease, his mother's dementia, and other even darker topics, Richard shared it all. And now, we're going to share what he shared with you. Stand up tragedy! Thank you and good evening, tragedians. Um, yeah, I'm not actually going to talk about the heart failure because, uh, um, well, you, there is a certain. Um, I, well, the, when you come, when you get asked to do stand-up tragedy, you, th- you you do kind of think sometimes, well, is my story actually tragic enough? And uh, I was like, I had heart failure. I've just come on after a Holocaust survivor. No, my story is not tragic enough. But um, luckily. Luckily is probably the wrong word, uh, but uh, my, my first poem, uh, which is a new one, is actually uh, not so much about me, but it is about uh, child abuse in uh, a private school in the 90s, uh, and that's the 1990s, not the 1890s, and it's called True Story. This is a story about a boy named Andy and a man named Story. I've not changed the names because both were guilty, but they weren't always. 2009. You have a friend request. Andrew Morgan. Classics. Old school SWAT. Choir boy. Me and my best mate Cloder used to take the piss. Call him Morgana Le Fay. Until we realised that, yes, he was actually gay. Gays did exist. And it was more than just a playground cuss. We were... 11, 12, Wolverhampton Grammar, centre of excellence. This teacher story was as big as one. An angry, bald bullock. 
He'd throw tantrums in class, bang desks into us with his belly. Scalp red as about to burst, then the next day, sweetness and light. Praising us, he'd chat, sing bash on chaps, have pretty boys up to sit on his lap. We didn't know which was worse. But you're 11, 12, you know no better. And some boys liked the attention. Very few went on to do Latin at GCSE. Story once gave a lift home to both Cloder and Andy. Dropped Cloder off first, though he lived further away. And when Story drove off with Andy up front, staring back at Cloder, forlorn, scared, abandoned, leaving him safe on his front step with nascent suspicions, regretting he'd not just asked Andy in for a cuppa. Fifteen years later, regretting he'd not forced the issue. And I can't imagine what happened between them alone. Who'd want to? Maybe the emotions were the most obscene thing. Because I don't know what was missing from Andy's home, but maybe Story even spun in the yarn that he loved him. A few years later, one of Story's classics friends from another grammar was arrested in Thailand for sex with minors. Looked like the whole thing might blow up, but our school's headmaster... Trafford was Story's old mucker, so he retired quietly to look after Mother. Andy went on to Cambridge to be a lawyer. I thought maybe it never did him any harm. And then when, three years ago, we saw just a few messages on his wall, closest friends, saying less than expected, it took some persistence to find out what had happened. On Andy's laptop, 1,290 child porn images. And perhaps at his trial, there might have been some answers, some kind of narrative before the court's bitter verdict, but I doubt his defence would have called Story as a witness. So the night before the trial, no bail, but Andy bailed, nonetheless, draped the hemp around his neck, and leapt. I can't imagine the loneliness and guilt he must have felt. I doubt if he ever touched children himself, but you collude if you view the JPEGs, and people will say, if you don't call them beasts and jug them in prison, you're simply encouraging them. But humans are just self-replicating viruses. In school, in love, in prisons or choirs, we just copy whatever behaviour surrounds us. Whatever you do to people comes to be normal. And ignoring the causes won't cure the sickness. And understanding pedos doesn't mean you forget their victims. It means remembering how they'll all grow up themselves, remembering how Andy was that boy of 11, 12... And when we can't imagine, we must understand there must be a better way to end the cycle of abuse than a noose. And let this sad story be a beginning, not an end. As this one's for Andy. Suicide. Pederast. My friend. Cheers.
yeah, I think um, that anything anything after that one is uh, probably going to seem a little bit uh, less less tragic uh, in comparison. I'm not uh, not quite on my usual uh, rip roaring form. I'm uh, recovering because because the heart failure was all caused by a, an irregular heartbeat, and that uh, irregular heartbeat has just been corrected by keyhole surgery. Uh, where they just burnt burnt all the errant bits off my heart, uh, but it meant that they had to go in through my groin. So I've got a, a massive, big. Well, it's, it's the only purple patch um, that my groin has ever seen. Really huge bruise uh, where they went in uh, there, and uh, and it's, it's given me terrible migraines as well, which I'm just uh, recovering from. But I really shouldn't complain uh, because, well, come to the tragedy in in my own life uh, now. Well, I say it's a tragedy. Uh, this poem is about uh, my grandmother's dementia, but um, it's not so much a tragedy, dementia, as a more of a statistical and biological inevitability, but um, still sad. Visiting time. This skeletal Michael Finnegan in a gown is all time's winds have left of old gran. Sharon Stone nappy flash. Water retention has inverted her legs. Thigh-like calves, veal calf thighs. It's like that film Memento, you remember, but with just the one death. Her memory's camera zooms towards her birth. The film's end. And every five minutes, a new time traveller teleports into her body, the pod from 68, 67... 65, and we explain it all again. What year is this? Role-playing. I'm her nephew, son-in-law, sisters, our daughters. She's got to see her dad. Playing happy families, the old maid shuffles the pack. The songs she sings are from the war. Her vision's gone. Can't see past 1944. Can't even watch TV and... Even if she could, at three pounds per day, they're all turned off and to the wall, neglected patients. These screens fade to white dots, leaving only an afterimage pressed on the retina, a song stuck in the memory of those about to leave, repeats, all just repeats. Visiting time is over. Cheers. Uh, the thing about dementia, if you've been lucky enough not to have any relatives um, suffer from it, is that uh, it very much kind of takes your psyche and, and, and opens it up like a Russian doll and, and, and takes away all, all of the kind of politeness and civility and the social rules uh, that you've learnt, and then a little bit further in, it takes away your ability to remember people's names or, or what they've been doing, and, and then just really boils it down to the centre of the doll, and you really find out what that person was like right in the centre. And my nan was all right, actually. She was um, pretty, pretty happy and used to wander down the wards in the hospital with another old lady, pretending that they were... Pretending, imagining, kind of projecting that they were uh, going to wait for a bus at the bottom of the, uh, the corridor and go off on an adventure. 
and uh, it was actually quite nice. Um, unfortunately, as I say, it's a genetic inevitability. Uh, my mum now has a um, very similar kind of dementia, Benson syndrome, uh, which is the same uh, kind of dementia that uh, Terry Pratchett has, where you kind of forget the, the words for things and you lose all your motor skills first, but it still maintains your interrelationships and she can still thankfully remember who people are and, and, and that she loves them and, uh, and little things that they've been up to and, and still are still a joy. Uh, unfortunately, that kind of pairing down from the outer personality down to the inner, um, that while it, while it was while it's been happening to my mum, uh, has been it was having the same or a similar effect uh, to my dad as well, but not directly, not through dementia. My dad, uh, throughout last year, um, started to have a complete mental breakdown, partly caused by I think um, the the fact that he he was always quite Asperger's, a very manly man who uh, used to. Um, find a lot of his, his own self-worth and value in, in physical activities like managing football and in going out and earning money. He's very much a kind of 1950s kind of guy. And so when he couldn't help my mum and he couldn't accept that, and also he had to have uh, a couple of um, uh, hip replacements himself, and he had a lot of difficulty um, dealing with the, the change in roles and uh, basically, it, 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 it's at times like these. Um, Bryony's been kind of interviewing all of the artists. You know, what, what do you get out of writing about tragedy? And I think that writing about tragedy does really help you make sense of it all and, and stop you from going mad, really. Or maybe you'd, you know, there's still just as much madness, but you just pour it out down onto the page, I think. Um, my dad never had any of that and was... Um, swiftly reduced to wandering around the house, not wanting to go out in case anybody saw him and kind of hitting himself and um, uh, shouting, we had everything, but now we've lost everything. Um, and we've got nothing now. And I've ruined your mum's life and taking everything onto his shoulders. And um, a week before Christmas last year, um, he, we thought he'd been getting better, but he was just kind of hiding uh, how bad he was and uh, he hung himself from the banister and my sister found him just kind of dangling there like a fucked up Christmas decoration and um, the weirdest thing when you're dealing with all the, the admin um, of someone's death um, the thing that struck me the most or my, my sister which he somehow managed to maintain a sense of humour about it all, all the stuff that we've had to do all the paperwork she's put in a a folder with dadmin written on it. The thing that struck with me is not the, the funeral. I, I didn't cry very much at the funeral. I didn't cry very much when we were scattering the ashes. The thing was um, getting rid of his clothes and thinking, what, what should we do with how we get rid of them? And this is um, about that. And it's called Strip Away. Not much. Six bags, one cardboard box. Of notes, sun hats from red-skinned Cypriot holidays. Football manager coats he'd shrunk out of. His silk-effect PJs somehow unsoiled. Old hands will sift them, sighing, singing, Matalan, Matalan, 
Primark, Matalan, his newest watch, went to his oldest friend, who'd given him one last gift for the fire, an away strip. I've kept the belt he didn't snap, a reminder to keep it all together, tight. It's like scattering ashes. We stick them in the boot, look for a nice village with a good view, far enough away no relatives will buy them, make us think, panicked glance, he's somehow back. What's saddest isn't the waste, how man maketh the clothes that their wearer would have urged us to sell them, but how every human feeling is just one spring clean away from not existing. If I thought of those clothes hanging there alone, wondering why he abandoned their warmth, I could almost give them tears. I just shiver. Okay. Well, one more. Um, you don't know what, how, quite how to react at the end of one of my poems, do you? Just, it's just, I don't know, clapping? Or, um, yeah, just a bit of silent weeping, I think. And then I'll come round with a teak pipette, collect those tears, and then fill my pen with them, and write even more sad poems. Like the emotional vampire that all of us poets are. Uh, so, yeah, but I suppose the, the point is not all of this tragedy, but how it affects you. And hopefully what, what you learn from it and, and the, the shifts that it makes within, you know, your soul, if that's not too old-fashioned a word. So here's, here's um, uh, uh, one last poem from uh, the book, the book of uh, my show, which is going to uh, be on Radio 4 as a four-part spoken word sitcom in July. It's Sunday, July the 14th, 21st and 28th, 7.15pm, just after The Archers. Uh, so, you know, a, a million people will be listening, apparently, but I know it won't be because of it's me. Uh, it'll be because it's on after the archers. Uh, but um, if you've enjoyed my stuff, um, it's, it's actually a, it's about my heart failure, not anybody else's tragedy. So it's actually a lot funnier. Uh, but anyway, after um, th this is about after um, some of these things had happened, and after uh, I was lying in hospital, not knowing whether I would live or die from heart failure, and oh, the only way to find out whether I did die uh, or not, in fact, is, is to buy this book, which is six pounds. Um, or, or you can get both of my books, uh, Big Heart and uh, Germline, the first one. Oh, often witty, sometimes unsettling, and always smart, according to Tim Key. Uh, you get both of those uh, for 10 quid, or six pounds each. But anyway, uh, back to the spiritualism. Um, I, I had this, if you will, a, a vision. Footprints in the sand. One night, I dreamed... I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times, there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from pain, anguish, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, You promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, 
you would walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the hardest, most trying times of my life, there has been only one set of footprints in the sand. Why, my Lord, when I needed you most, did you abandon me? And the Lord replied, Oh, my son, but at those hardest, most trying times of your life, you were being an annoying, self-pitying, sniveling little shit. Can you blame me for fucking off? Yeah, fair enough, Lord. I replied. Thank you very much. Richard showed us that humour can be found in the bleakest situations. The audience who we shared it with laughed, felt sympathy, felt sad, and hopefully many of us learned something from what he said. And I hope that you did too. There's so much more Richard Tyrone Jones to explore. Head straight to his website, www.richardtyronejones.com. From being diagnosed with a heart condition to his mother's dementia and darker topics. As he mentioned during his performance, he's recently written a collection of poetry in association with the Wellcome Trust called Richard Tyrone Jones's Big Heart. And it's been changed into a three episode radio series that's gonna be going out on Radio 4 after the Archers on Sunday at 7.15, starting on the 4th of July. As you can tell, he's great live. One of the gigs he's gonna be doing is on the 26th of June at the Hackney Attic. I'm going to be performing at that too. So is Phil Jupiter's Rob Alton, Superbard, many luminaries of the spoken word scene. It's a spoken word fundraiser for PBH's Free Fringe. Get yourself along to that on the 26th of June. Stand Up Tragedy will let you know the dates of all of the other Free Fringe fundraisers that are happening around London and nearby and will keep you posted on tragic news as well as what our previous artists are up to through our social media. So like us or friend us on Facebook by searching for Stand Up Tragedy or follow us on Twitter where we're at Stand Up For Tragedy. Keep listening to the podcast too by subscribing through iTunes, SoundCloud or the free Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download to your smartphone. As well as the Indiegogo campaign, there's another even more fantastic way you can help us out and that's by attending our next performance. We're back at the Dog Star in Brixton on Thursday the 4th of July, which is only two weeks away. The show filled up the last time we performed there, so get your tickets in advance by going to our website, www.standuptragedy.co.uk. And there's an extra incentive for that because tickets in advance are £5, tickets on the door, £7. So get in early, save some money. There'll be even more tragic stories. There'll be poetry, there'll be comedy, there'll be live art. We've got some tragic magic. We've got a whole section devoted to the PBH Free Fringe Spoken Word community we've got a showcase gig from a bunch of those guys and we've got comedian Josie Long and comedian Nish Kumar headlining yes that Josie Long that one she's going to be performing I'll be hosting the live night and I hope to see you there but for now the tragedy is over stand up tragedy this podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins and recorded by Stephen Harvey.
All of our music was written and recorded by Sam Wilkinson, who can be contacted at radiojuan at yahoo.co.uk. That's radiojuan, H-W-A-N, at yahoo.co.uk.